Hey guys, welcome back to the Missing Bridge in America. Today we have a special episode with you guys. I don't know why I feel the need to say that it is our fourth episode of 2021. It's a very good episode. And as you guys know, we are a guest majority guest based podcast. So we do have a guest today. However, before we introduce the guest, I want to mention that if you haven't followed our Instagram page, and I know Ganning is really excited in this part of the podcast. If you haven't followed our Instagram page, you got to go follow. Gan, you have anything to say to that? I'm going to say it like I say it every episode. Go follow the Instagram at The Missing Bridge so that way you could be our first listener. Very important because if you're the first listener of each episode, that just means you're, you're special. That's all it means. That means you're a fan. That means you appreciate the content. Um, so I want to introduce the desk if that's okay, Brian. So... This guest's last name is Cohen, okay? Co-win, co-winners, really? No. This guest, all she does is win, people. She puts everything, whatever she puts to her mind, she does it. That's just how she is. She's a winner, right? <laughs> just change the name from Cohen because there's no such thing as Cohen's on this, on this episode, okay? Win, that's her last name now. So I'm, I'm, it's unofficial, but just, okay, all jokes aside, um, once again, we have an FIU Model UN delegate. It shouldn't come as a surprise to you anymore. Um, she is majoring in international relations and economics, and she is a peer educator at uh, FIU's mental health uh, facility, CAPS, is what we call it. So I am introducing our, how many guests have we had, Brian? I don't even know. But our next guest, Krishna Cohen. Welcome to the podcast. How do you feel? Thank you. No, I'm so excited here and I feel incredibly motivated to uh, follow the Instagram, but I, I do follow though. I do follow no, just no, put that out there. Good. You that's awesome. We're happy to have you and we're going to have an interesting topic today. I'm not sure I've talked about it, but we're going to be talking about mental health. So COVID has affected our mental health, the economy specifically towards that. So the specifics of what's happened in 2020 how our entire life shifted from some people would argue one day to the next. We had to lock down. The economy went down. We had a recession. And now we're dealing with the aftermath of it. And I feel like a lot of people, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like a lot of people focus so much on the economy and they focus so much on the lockdowns. And a lot of people have neglected how everything has impacted our mental health. And I wanted to ask you, Krishna, to kind of like start off like, how do you think the economy has affected our mental health due to COVID? Well, well, firstly, it most certainly has affected people's mental health greatly. I think that there's people who have never struggled with anxiety or depression um, before. They now are. Um, and this is a first for a lot of people. And I, we know from like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like there are people have really basic needs that they need to acquire in order to um, feel any sense of contentment or fulfillment. And at the very bottom of the pyramid, which are the most critical, um, have to do with people's sense of safety and security. And both of those are threatened right now. And, you know, for young people, we've seen people, you know, couch surfing for months, um, essentially homeless. 
And when your body is under that amount of stress, because your, your survival is, um, completely undermined when you don't have a sense of shelter or space, um, you know, your body kicks into what's called like the sympathetic nervous system, which is like your fight or flight mode. Right. And staying when your body's in that state of being for an extended period of time, the negative effects are endless on your health. And sometimes I just like to say health instead of mental health or physical health, because there's a symbiotic relationship between, you know, your body and your mind. Um, It goes both ways. So when you're in that state of being, even if like for an extended period of time, because now it's been like, we're like a year into this, it it can get as severe as down-regulating your genes, which essentially means like chronic illness, Um, you know, and these environmental factors, um, like you know, experiencing temporary homelessness, like living paycheck to paycheck, um, you know, you have people's physical health like dwindling as well, and um, you know that's why people can't even fully function at like a full capacity. And I know we'll we'll talk about productivity in a second, um, but yeah, so you essentially you can't, you know. you're not able to even focus on other things beyond your basic survival because that's essentially what's the most important thing. So you have a lot of people who are unfulfilled and, you know, struggling with depression and anxiety and you're kind of stuck in it because like you're kind of in a trap and it's really hard to get out right now. That's, that's very interesting. Like the specific, specific thing you said about like fight or flight, that, that kind of like state we are in, in a, in a position where people are, economically and the most necessity maybe very unexpectedly they weren't expected to for the COVID to happen for them to maybe lose their job for things to go virtual uh, maybe their salary decreased you know a lot of unemployment skyrocketed during the pandemic and so I feel like as you said being in that state of just survival mode at that point and honestly some people have been left homeless maybe some people still have their house but struggling to pay the bills that maybe hadn't struggled before and now we're living paycheck to paycheck trying to make ends meet when not a lot in the not a lot's going on in the pandemic you know not a lot of jobs are available not a lot of jobs are hiring so it's like that endless state that has lasted a year that has probably affected people immensely and it's insane to hear that and i i I believe that you know when that happens uh, over an extended period of time you know it's it's going to affect people economically but it's also going to affect you know, their productivity is going to affect everything that they do. And it's almost counterintuitive at that point. It's like the negative effects are even worse because now, even if they have their own job, even if they still have their job and try to make ends meet, maybe they don't, they're not as productive in their jobs or they're not able to be doing all their tasks as they were before because it, you know, everything's virtual and everything's through Zoom and it's just affected people a lot, you know, and I don't know if, you know, Gannon wants to add to that too. I always want to add to stuff. How'd you know? But anyway, in all seriousness though, it's, it's kind of, we're in an era where we've never experienced before. We're in a pandemic where we have to wear masks. We have to social distance, but in history, we've never had to do that before. Of course, we've had pandemics in the past, but nothing like this. 
nothing where a disease is so transmittable among people. And it's scary because, and as a result of this fear, we are still in the process of recovering. And last March, when the economy essentially shut down, and I'm not sure if you guys invest in stocks, but last, I, I, I know I do, but I hope I do. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I invest in stocks. And one thing that I noticed constantly from February to when we were in lockdown last March was that the, the price of my stock was going down consistently. And it was because of this fear that COVID was bringing because it was spreading so fast and it was starting to shut things down. And when we went virtual, that's, you know, that's what happened. And when that happens at the same time, you have job security taken into account. As Brian said, the unemployment rate skyrocketed because of the shutdown because of the economy, not collapsing, but uh, falling. And that's, you know, when people are, like Krishna said, in that fight or flight mode, because at this point, we're all, what we're all trying to do is people survive. And when it's difficult to, that adds on to what's already going on in our mental health, right? Anxiety, depression, all that goes on. So there's, a, there's many factors that the economy has brought into people's mental health that they might even they may not even realize because they may not be in the shoes of somebody who is going through losing a job, having to pay the bills, barely being able to keep the roof up over their heads, although before the pandemic they were able to just fine. But and that, and that's again something we have to take into account. So I definitely agree with both of you on that as as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree too. And to get further into how productivity has been affected, even if you've been lucky enough to have a job, everyone is struggling, whether you're a full-time student and you're, you know, having your part-time job, like everyone is having an incredibly difficult time. I mean, not only, you know, with adapting, you know, to the virtual world, um, but you know, even like getting further into stress, like how does stress really hinder productivity? Well, there's a couple of things going on. So when your body is in that, you know, the survival mode that we were talking about earlier, um, your neocortex, which is the part of your brain that is responsible for a higher level thinking, um, complex decision-making, it's the part of your brain that you're, for example, you're gonna be using a lot for school. That part of your brain, um, is pretty much less effective right now, or it, it's really much difficult for your body to even engage with that because if your body is stressed out, because you have to think we are primates, right? Think about hunter-gatherers. Like, you know, if your body recognizes danger, it's not going to prioritize higher-level thinking. It doesn't care about higher-level thinking right now. It just wants you to live. Um, but we don't have to worry about like tigers in the wild anymore. Now we're worried about like, is my like, you know, COVID check going to come through the mail or not? Am I going to be able to like pay for rent tomorrow? So that's kind of like our big scary tigers today um, instead of what it was like, you know, 4,000 years ago. So um, it's incredibly hard to do complex tasks right now. And it's not even people's fault. Um, when your body's in a stressed out state, it's incredibly hard to do that. Um, you know, and it's even much more difficult for people who are experiencing poverty, which we, you know, there's been a lot of studies done on that, that can show that poverty is, you know, can result in trauma, which makes sense because the definition of what counts as trauma 
um, is, you know, a sense of threat to one's survival. Um, and if you're in extreme poverty, <laughs> yeah, that you can definitely, you know, pick up trauma from that. So it absolutely does hinder your productivity. It absolutely does hinder your focus. It does make it much harder to concentrate on tasks, um, which makes so much logical sense, but yet we are so hard on ourselves about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's almost a, a justified human uh, effect. And, and then we're trying to still do our homework. We're still trying to do our exam. Like at least for, for college students, we're trying to get our tasks done in, in work and focusing so much on trying to survive. And it's like, how are we going to focus on, on certain other things that require more of our brain? Kind of like what you were saying with the, the neocortex of our brain that I had no idea about, which is crazy because it's like, that's, that's extremely affected during the pandemic. And I, I can't com completely understand like how, how much it's been affecting us and how it will continue to affect us because it's only been a year and it's still continued. A lot of things are still virtual. And, you know, for this, wh whether or not you agree with the safety of it, it's still going to have a, uh, an impact on our, on our mental health. And to see that this is probably going to affect many people. And as you said, even on the lower end of the spectrum in the economy, you know, in the working class and in the lower middle class is definitely going to affect them. And we haven't even have touched the beginning of how these, this, this is going to affect them because it's probably going to affect them in the long term in the next five years in the next 10 years you know trying to recover from it um and and, and honestly there there are checks right like you know we have our stimulus checks and i th i believe the government approved like i believe two trillion dollars a stimulus check but that yeah, can 1. only 1.9 so billion or trillion yeah 1.9 trillion 1.9 trillion all mm -hmm. right so I, I feel like that definitely does help but the mental health aspect to it is always going to be affected because i feel like for a lot of people they're going to utilize the money and they're going to pay off their bills right away and it's like then they're going to have to worry about the next month and it's just insane and it's it's crazy because i was reading i wanted to mention the statistics that are that i read in an article that you know to kind of like i i want to kind of like move on a bit from from the economy a bit but this statistic really striked me and it was like that this survey that uh, was conducted on some people of different income levels. And for people that earn less than $40,000, which is, it's not considered poverty, but it is considered on the lower end of the spectrum. So I'd say lower middle class. It said like 56% of the people said their income affected their mental health. So whether it be increased anxiety, increased depression and all that. But the crazy thing is, is that for the ones who were, who earned $90,000 or more, was 48%, 48% that it still had a negative impact, that their income had a negative impact on their, on their mental health. And it's interesting to see because it's like, was it really their, was it, was it really their income or was it just the fact that we're virtual, the fact that we're on lockdown where, and I do feel like the economy does have an impact and majority of the time it, it unequally affects the working class and the lower middle class. Uh, but even the people who are upper middle class and perhaps, you know, the upper end of the spectrum, you know, they're still going to be affected with their mental health just because of the fact that everything's gone virtual, you know, when you, when you compare the following economy and then how people are productive, right? Again, job security, right? People were very concerned about that. And some people did lose their jobs 
jobs because of the pandemic, which is, it's terrible. And some people, yeah, they may have gotten their jobs back because the unemployment rates did decrease, but then they, they there was a little bit of a spike again because of the rise in COVID cases from last fall. So it's unfortunate, but it's, you know, in a unprecedented pandemic where it fear literally caused, I'm not going to say it's a literal cause to the fall of the economy, but it was one of the causes to the fall of the economy. It's, I mean, th this is what happens and it's unfortunate, but when that happens, when you lose your job, that takes a toll on your mental health because now you are under a lot more pressure to provide. You're a lot, you are under a lot more pressure to try to be the person to, to hold the, the roof up when you can't because you're jobless. It, it sucks. And I mean, truthfully speaking, when you read all these stories, it's heartbreaking because you never want to be in that position where you lose your job because of something that is beyond your control. It's unfortunate. And when you, when, when you're in that situation, when you're in those shoes, it's hard to do something about it because you, you, at that point in time, you'll feel helpless. You'll feel help. You feel helpless. And it's, it sucks. So I'm going to try and marry what both Brian and Gannon said um, and <laughs> refer to the points that both of them made. So to reference what Brian said about, you know, even people with higher levels of income being affected. So obviously, you know, people who are, you know, working class, um, lower middle class are, you know, more affected. Like, let's, you know, let's not front here. Um, but I will say for people who are, you know, a bit more well off, they're still the they're still suffering the effects from not being able to socialize. Um, and it is incredibly true when we say that human beings are social creatures. It is important for us to have, you know, our tribe um, for emotional and moral support. Um, and interestingly enough, you know, when people, you know, do start to become, you know, depressed. Or, or anxious, your body um, cannot tell the difference between like mental illness or physical illness. That is why depressed people, or part of the reason why depressed people self-isolate um, because their body thinks that they're going through an illness right now, like there's something off. We need to be by ourselves right now. So, even, you know, so we're all quarantining, we're all isolating, but even, you know, you're depressed and you're inside and there's no opportunity even, you know, seek help or see people personally, you know, and I think that's why a lot of people don't even want to engage online. Sometimes they don't even want to call people. They don't want to text people and they're further isolating themselves that way. So it's really exacerbating an already tough situation. And I mean, that explains, you know, why maybe someone who has their basic needs met, why are they suffering right now? And it's like, well, human contact is really important, actually. Um, like, like a fun fact, like hugs, like a, like a, like a hug that lasts um, at least 20 seconds releases a lot of oxytocin. And oxytocin is a really important neurochemical that's responsible for bonding and it relieves stress. Um, so not being able to have physical contact with people, which is really good. It's really good for our health, actually. Um, that's really tough on people right now. So those things that we just considered normal, we took for granted, and now they're gone. Now people understand why that's so important for us to function. So I think a lot of us attribute our success to only us. 
Like it's me. I'm the reason why I'm doing well. And I don't think we realize how much our support system um, mattered to us and how much it contributed to how well we're doing. And I think people kind of realize that once they've been put in the situations where they're, you know, spread apart from the people that they love the most, how much did it contribute to their fulfillment and their ability to move smoothly through life? Yeah. And I mean, you make a very good point about that, actually. So um, as, as usual, I mean, come on, she's a winner, y'all. But anyway, it's like, I mean, yeah, I mean, there, I don't think there's anything else I can really add on to that, uh, honestly, because I feel like for all three of us, we hit it right on the head right there. So what I did want to transition to, and we did get a little bit into this uh, on our last go around was pretty much the productivity of people who have been affected by the, you know, affected by the pandemic and more specifically our generation, Generation Z, as some people like to call it. I know for me, at least, um, and this is where we kind of get a little personal. For me, at least, it, it's been hard. Um, I never would have envisioned in my life, if you were to ask me a year or a year and a half ago, oh, would you do online school? I would say no, absolutely not. Because I would never put myself in that position to be virtually on in class or to be doing online school. I never would have thought I would have been doing that. But as a result, COVID has made that possible and made that required of everyone. And not just in college, but obviously elementary, middle, and high school. You now have to, because we're in an unprecedented pandemic, we have to be online because technology is, I mean, this is the way we stay safe. So when it comes to my productivity levels, oh, I'm not going to sit here and act like they've stayed the same. No, they... I am not as productive as I was a year ago, right? And I don't think for a lot of people who are used to being hands-on around people when they're doing work, face-to-face with people, for me at least, I haven't been as productive, right? And you know, as for Brian, it's just kind of a thing for you. This is one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast. It's because it's motivating me to keep my productivity levels up outside of just this. For my classwork, for internships and fellowships that I could possibly be applying for, right? This podcast, you know, has really allowed me to use this, use this as an outlet to fuel my productivity during COVID, right? And we're looking on, we're looking to the other side of the tunnel, the light's starting to slowly but surely come in. And hopefully by that point in time, we'll be back to normal and productivity levels too as well. But for me, at least, I know I've sat and wondered a couple of times where it's like, well, I had this going on before COVID. Now I'm not so sure. And this is just, you know, this isn't just with classwork. This is with everything. I'm, and I mean everything. So, but for me, it's, I mean, I'm not sure. And you guys can talk about it more extensively on your part and just kind of in general. But I know, and I can, I can speak for people who had their productive or productivity level shot because of this pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, I completely understand where you're coming from. And uh, that's why that's why it's not only the economy, uh, because like economy is only one portion of it. And it it disproportionately affects some people. But even some college kids, maybe they weren't even they maybe their parents were financially stable and they were able to, you know, or maybe they are still working, they're still able to do what they're supposed to do. Um, But it's just that the fact that the virtual world the transition that we all had to do as a country and a, as a nation and as a really a, a world, um, we had to transition to this and it has affected all of us. 
you know, from someone going five classes, physically always being in the university, as, as Krishna was talking about socializing with people, something that this young generation craves a lot. And all of a sudden, everything's closed. You cannot see anyone. And you're locked in your house and with the four walls of your house and you can only talk to your wall. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> or you can make some Zoom calls, but it's not the same. Obviously, it's your, at the end of the day, I always say that, you know, with a Zoom call and everything, it's, you're talking to a screen, even though it's a person reflected in that screen. Your your body doesn't understand that. And, and you're, the effect that it will have on you is that you're looking at a screen for an extensive period of time. You're not looking at a human being, right? And so I at least like i think it's affected everyone's productivity levels it first affects your mental health because no one expected it everyone wanted things to go back to normal and it was very uncertain because the government was saying two weeks and we're still here it's been a year so turned from two weeks to 52 weeks in uh in a whole year so it's it definitely affects all of us it affects college students as well and maybe it set back some people uh, the best we can do is adapt to it. And uh, that's probably what, what I have done. And I feel like everything that we're going to be doing after this is gonna, just going to be something we got to adapt to as a country. And everyone has their own personal, everyone has their own personal circumstance. And I don't think anyone has not been affected by it. So it's just something we all have to deal with. The best thing we can do is do these podcasts, still be doing what we have to do, try our best to get things done and uh, just focus on what matters at the end of the day. And hopefully that will, that will help. Uh, I don't know if Krishna wants uh, anything too. Yeah. Um, on the topic of productivity, you know, like you said, we're in, you know, the four walls of our rooms. Um, you know, people are not getting the same amount of exercise that they used to. I mean, I mean, as a country, if we're talking about America, we don't really get that much exercise in general. Um, but now people are only walking from their desk to their fridge. And that is a huge issue, um, especially with the topic of mental health. Um, exercise is one of the best antidepressants out there. I mean, we'll also talk about sleep, but if I had to rank things um, just from like a biological standpoint for mental health and what's critical, I'd put sleep at number one and exercise is a really close second. Um, we are, you know, if you look at the human body, we are not designed to sit down all day. <laughs> um, we are meant, you know, to walk and run long distances and our body actually rewards us when we do that when we you know say for instance go to the gym our body releases a lot of feel-good hormones because it feels motivated um, when we carry out physical activity um, you know and also doing exercises that are within like you know your target heart rate zone it oxygenates your brain and that helps with maintaining a young brain um, it helps maintain your youth um, and we're just sitting down all day. Um, it, it's terrible, like, you know, one for your motivation and also for your, you know, clarity, um, mental clarity is definitely a bit dull right now for everyone. If you're not, um, getting enough exercise. Um, so that's just a one more, uh, tidbit that I wanted to throw out there. I mean, that's true. America is a leading, uh, country and obesity in the world so 
mm-hmm. this this pandemic the pandemic definitely exacerbated that to a great extent and i i i've been thinking about it with covid and mental health just in general uh not a, not a lot of people have been speaking about exercise and i feel like there's a cuz also you know covid not only affects our productivity levels affects everything it affects directly our health our health is at risk with covid and maybe the younger generation you know statistics show that we're we're a bit less risks uh from from covid but even older people i don't think it's emphasized enough the the need for people to prioritize their health take their vitamins and exercise and be active and a lot of people i i mean can we blame them for the pandemic uh, at least when things are open or things are not open, or maybe they could just go out on a run. So literally not interact with anyone. There are efforts that we can all do to stay active. And I would personally say during the pandemic, I would literally just do some workouts in my room. Uh, I would do it maybe in, more inconsistently than before the pandemic, but just staying active is what matters. And uh, that's definitely a good point you made. And honestly, uh, it's exercise should definitely be a priority. And if you don't have access to a gym, it doesn't mean you can't do exercise. You just search up something on YouTube. You could literally search up home workouts. There's like millions of them. I'm sure a lot of people uh, went viral with those videos on March 2020 during the pandemic. And uh, and you'll probably be able to do some home workouts. I was talking to the audience at that point. Um, but another thing that has affected our youth, and I'm not sure if you have some insight on this, Krishna, um, is the mental health rate, like how it has increased uh, the the depression rates, anxiety rates in the youth, you know, I, I was I, like the same study I was looking at was showing how this has disproportionately affected the youth of America, how more youth are affected by, you know, the pandemic than other people that they say they have higher rates of depression, higher anxiety rates than perhaps other people uh, in the pandemic. And not only that, but the suicide rates have gone up, right? And, and it's gone up from uh, maybe like 1% to like 100%. And it depends which study you're looking at. But suicide rates have been going up. And it's obviously not something that a lot of people talk about, but it's something that is concerning for what has happened this year. And uh, it's interesting to see like how that all that all that has happened in the pandemic has affected that. So I do have a couple different um, insights on that. One, I mean, young people in general um, do tend to struggle with depression, anxiety a little bit more. Um, And that's not just like exclusively our generation phenomenon. It's more of like, so as you know, like the prefrontal cortex um, isn't really done developing until like you're 25. Um, So, you know, young people in general, like in the younger you are, um, you just have a hard time thinking long-term. So this, like, if you're like 15 years old and you are, you know, not going to high school anymore, like in person, everything's virtual. This feels like forever to you. Um, because you're, it's really hard for like, when you're that young to think farther in the future and that, you know, there is hope. Um, but you, like, if you're like 15, and, you know, your dad got laid off and your mom has to work a couple more jobs and you can't even see your friends and you're just stuck at home playing video games all day. And like, let's say like you live in the city and it's even harder for you to like 
you know, exercise or really even be in nature because you're surrounded by brick. That is exceptionally hard. Um, so, I mean, that's part of the reason why, you know, young people are particularly affected. Their brains are a little bit different. But then also I would wonder, um, you know, the lifestyle of young people tends to be different than older people. And I'm going to throw out a hypothesis here uh, that I would say that younger people, because their lifestyles are different um, and there's more movement maybe between like school, home, um, and then working, of course, um, that would be more hindered than, let's say, someone who's retired. Um, so maybe their lifestyle wasn't as heavily hit, so they did not have to adapt that much. And on top of that, there are very unique problems that our generation has to think about. Um, for example, you know, we're all college kids. This is ridiculously expensive, okay? It's not like with our grandparents where I, I know all of us have heard, like, I mean, you know, my grandfather on my you know father's side um was born in the states and you know he's told me like you know a story before like when he did when he was acquiring his aa like you know he just worked a job and he was able to pay it off you can't do that anymore that's not even feasible and where like even if you're a full-time student working a part-time job you are lucky even if you're able to pay rent let alone you know pay off your student loans so, you know, you have the student debt crisis. So there's just really unique problems that this generation is dealing with that our parents and our grandparents just did not have to. So yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense that people are, you know, young people are anxious and depressed, especially if you're a little bit older, even if your brains develop, if you're like 20, 30 K in debt, you can't even see your friend to go talk about it. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's depressing. It, it makes sense. Um, so I really do validate pretty much everyone's experiences within this pandemic. It is exceptionally difficult, even if we are in a Western industrialized nation that is wealthy, it is still incredibly difficult. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's and it's it's so crazy to think about, like how you said, we're in one of the wealthiest nations in the world. And it doesn't matter. So everyone's still affected and we even talked about it with income doesn't matter still affected because it's just it, it's just the idea of not socializing the idea of just you know being encapsulated encapsulated you know in your home and just not being able to do things it's just what affects your mental health and what has affected all of us and how our young generation uh most of us i mean a lot of college kids have to work just to pay off rent or a lot of the stuff but they probably won't be able to pay off their student loans while in, in college. You know, some people are fortunate enough to, to have scholarships. And if you're watching this, get, get scholarships. It's recommended. <laughs> uh, college is very expensive. Uh, but a lot of people, they, they have to worry about that as well. And then in the pandemic, I mean, how are they going to pay it? It's, it's insane. It's crazy. And then on top of that, have, it, have to worry about uh, their course load of the semester and then uh, it's it's insane it's crazy and uh you know kind of like to uh be close be close to closing off um what is what do you believe the government has done or hasn't done that should that they should do to help mitigate this if they can have as much of an impact that they can have so obviously they have had the stimulus checks but that that only does so much Right. So it's like, what can they do differently that can probably 
help it at least, or at least just, you know, at least kickstart it a bit so that people are a bit less worried or at least that they can reach out to more help, that it's more accessible uh, than anything. So what do you, what do you think they could do? Okay, well, um, where do I even start with this one? Well, firstly, um, this is not a new point to bring up, but I would love to reiterate this one because I think it's exceptionally important. Um, I, I'm not a fan of how you, we have people being um, asked to stay inside, which is good. You know, we don't want to spread the disease but then they are not being supported to stay inside their homes. So it makes sense that people are upset from quarantine um, because it's like they're, they're put in a situation where they can't work. So they can't, you know, get the means to pay for rent, for example. Um, but then, you know, the government, their local government, federal government, it's not supporting them in doing that. So you can't put people in this weird situation and expect them not to get upset or protest about it. Um, so, I mean, my, where do I lean? I, I do believe there needs to be more support for people. Um, if you're going to ask people to stay inside, you need to give them a way to be able to continue living. That That's it. You need to, it's really, I don't know. It's, it sounds like a simple request, but apparently it's not. Um, so support people to be able to do that. And then as far as like mental health goes, Listen, let's all be real here. The only time that we will ever talk about mental health is as like a scapegoat that politicians will use if there is ever any type of tragedy. Um, then we will talk about mental health, which it has a place in that conversation. But is anything ever done after that? No, it's not. That's the only time I've ever seen mental health come up. And don't even get me started with how we treat our veterans in this country when it comes to mental health. That's a, the only other time where I see mental health enter, you know, the conversation of American politics. Um, and I think it's, I mean, I think it's ridiculous that homelessness even exists, period. But like homeless veterans um, are a phenomenon um, because they're struggling with, you know, mental illnesses, like famously PTSD. Um, and I think it's astonishing that people even slip through the cracks that way. Um, but what can the government do? Well, um, there are a lot of struggles and people cannot agree on what to even do. And we have, you know, congressmen debating on a number for stimulus checks and they're not sending them out fast enough. Um, so of course, you know, I, if someone wants to give an alternate viewpoint, go ahead, but I'm of course going to advocate for greater welfare. Um, just because, I mean, people can't even work right now. So like, what do you expect for them to really do? Um, and then also the system can't even handle unemployment right now. Like within Florida, the, the website to be able to, you know, go on to and register for, you know, unemployment benefits, like it was shutting down. It wasn't even working properly. Like it, like our infrastructure couldn't even handle this pandemic, like not even a little bit. So yeah, there, there's my little frustrated rant <laughs> on people not being supported um and they're literally shoved into a corner yeah there, there we go 
I mean, honestly, uh, you're right. You're right. I mean, it's it really does make sense that if you're going to put someone in that position and it, it's normally happens in the most, you know, extraneous circumstances and the most extreme circumstances where people are placed inside their homes, the government needs to step up in that those kind of situations. And honestly, I've seen people on both sides agree on this. And it's just the government that perhaps, you know, hasn't, hasn't, there's been a stalemate, an impasse, uh, I'd argue because of a lot of uh, hyper partisanship that people are not able to agree up there in the government, you know, congressmen in the Senate, where it's like, we should just come together, forget about politics for a second. Let's think about the COVID pandemic. Let's think about the people. Let's think about relief bills and all of that. It, it was also a bit tricky because it was also an election year. There was a lot of controversy around a lot of these things, you know, agenda involved. And it's just insane what's going on in Washington, D.C. right now. But I do agree that the government should have. I mean, it, it, it seems like it's a, a bit overdue at this point. Uh, but I think majority of people would agree that the government could have acted faster. Uh, and not only in the beginning, but also with the stimulus checks and just even greater relief that's not that's beyond the economy, beyond the economy, just providing more help for those who are mentally ill. And as you said, the veterans. And uh, I, I can't believe that that is even that that's crazy how many people who are homeless that are have served in our military. You know, it's it really is uh, disappointing uh, that that has happened and especially even the pandemic. So it really is, it really is crazy. But we just got to move forward as a country. And if those people uh, up in power are not doing it for us, then maybe we are the future. But it, it's true, though. I don't know, Guy, you want to say something? I have a lot to add here. Okay. So in terms of we're asking what the government has done or what the government can do, three stimulus checks is not enough, simply put. It is not enough to put, pe- especially for people who have lost their jobs during this pandemic, it, for them to just have three stimulus checks over a year, not enough, simply put. Now, it's, yeah, you could even argue that, oh, well, this and that. No, not only that, not only the limited number of stimulus checks that we've gotten, but the how slow the government has been in passing them. Why? There's a variety of factors, but one reason was what Brian said, hyper-partisanship and party politics. All these, all these politicians over the last year have constantly tried to play those in order to get their agenda, in order to either greatly increase stimulus check amounts or decrease them for whatever reason. And in a time, and, and as my personal political views believe, we got to be pragmatic when it comes to certain situations. This is a situation where people are losing their jobs. People need to get stimulus checks. People need as much support as they possibly can to get through this pandemic. And the government assisting in mental health is kind of an underrated slash obscure topic because it's not talked about as much. And the reason why is because it's not a prominent issue, yet it should be. It should be a prominent issue. And the reason why it should be is because so many Americans go through these phases of mental health. They go through anxiety. They go through depression. And it can get as serious as the point where they have suicidal thoughts or even have an attempt on on their life. Which, by the way, if you are having any of those thoughts, there are numbers to call. 
1-800-273-8255. I believe that is the number. Get help. Very important. I just wanted to put that out there before I go on. But the suicide hotline and all you got a lot of other numbers so you can call if you know for anything, right? And of course, always talk to your family and friends about that as well. But regardless, the government hasn't done much to really address mental health because and and it's it's a little alarming to see the amount of suicide rates rising, right? The amount of depression cases rising, anxiety cases rising. It's it's alarming to see, right? And again, we have to constantly ask ourselves because this is such an underrated issue. What can they do? And I think Krishna did pretty well in answering that question. If you ask me, and I don't think I can add anything else to it, but just moreover, bringing like as people bringing awareness to these problems because it it constantly feels like in recent years, I feel like a lot of people that we know and that we're close to have done a pretty good job in raising awareness for some of these mental health issues. Some that we might even be going through personally right now or have gone through in the past. So it's very, it's important to put the spotlight on those issues because we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring simply put. And in terms of veterans, right. And PTSD, you know, me as a military child, as a military brat, I grew up around veterans. I grew up around always having to, you know, be the, be the kid who always moves around schools every three years. And so be that right. But something that people do not talk about, it's forbidden. It, it is, it's an unwritten rule. We don't talk about PTSD. We don't ask people who come into uh, you know, our schools to do a presentation on what it was like for them to serve in the military. Nobody asks them, oh, have you suffered from PTSD and all that? Because it's such a forbidden question. And to me, at least, it's disrespectful. And of course, we have those, we have those couple people, or those teachers who have never grown up around the military and who have never been around the military long enough to know that. And they'll ask these questions. And, of course, the presenter, it will be as polite as possible, be like, yeah, well, you know, go through this and that. And, of course, that's just my experiences. But I look around at my friends and they're like, "Uh, you shouldn't be asking those questions. You know, you know, of course I did. But it's, you know, veterans and PTSD, it's it's crazy to see how many cases there are. And it's just the homeless homeless veterans. It really breaks my heart because it's like they put their life to fight for this country. They put their life on the line to defend our country, our liberty, our rights. And then they get treated like trash when they don't have a place to go. It's sad. It really is. And there's more that we have to do to support those veterans. Because like I said, it doesn't matter how many years you served in the military. It doesn't matter if you served in the National Guard for a couple years or you served in the active force for 20 Homeless veterans should not even be talked. And it, it personally affects me in the way that my father is a veteran. He's currently in the U.S. Army. You two know this very well. And thankfully, he's got enough to retire his life. But what about those other people who he has to work with who are going to be in that situation, who, who cannot financially set themselves up yet for whatever reason? And especially another factor that they don't need is this pandemic. So it's, it's really, it's unfortunate that we, you know, for veterans who have to go through that, deal with not only these mental health issues, but also homelessness. It's sad to me. It breaks my heart. So that's all I wanted to add there. Um, I know it was a bit, but things need to be said when.
Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more, Gannon. Uh, and it's good that you uh, mentioned that about the military and just everything that you said. Uh, but I know we've been going on for about 50, roughly about 50 minutes already. And I kind of want to segue into wrapping up the episode. So I know I want to talk about the government, right? But, you know, I wanted to ask you, Krishna, since you are the expert, or at least the expert between all us three. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to ask you, a lot of the things that we're talking about with the government are most of the time they're out, they're out of our control. Of course, we can try to, you know, protest or, you know, raise awareness on certain things, uh, get into contact with our legislators. But most of the time, it's not gonna it's not gonna work. So what can people do? You know, what is in their power, mainly the young generation, perhaps college students, right? What can they do to get help? Like, let's say they're feeling unmotivated, or they're just dealing with a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. You know, what would you recommend? You know, it doesn't have to be too specific. Uh, but what do you tell the audience to do if they're dealing with that, and they're young, and they what what is in their power to do, even if it may not fully help the situation but at least you know at, at least do something you know different to them well you were speaking the truth uh when you mentioned like it, you know there are some there are a lot of factors here that are not in people's control and as much as they would like to act upon certain things there's not, not much they can do at all um so one i would advise you know for young people to just be a bit kind and compassionate uh, towards um, themselves and to, I guess, validate their own experience um, with this pandemic because everyone is in a different environment. Everyone has a different set of genetics. So it doesn't make any sense to compare yourself to anyone else because your conditions and your variables in your situation are different from someone else's. And that's just bad science to you know compare you to your next door neighbor as if you're the same human being. You're not. Um, but as far as what can they do? Well, if you're a college student, hopefully your university provides, you know, counseling and psychological services. But if they do not, what I would say as far as, you know, being at home, if you are lucky enough to have access to the internet, there, what has helped, you know, people that I've known and myself when, um, you know, they didn't have access to things like counseling or therapy, um, you know, God, this sounds very simple, but reading, um, acquiring more knowledge and understanding your mind and body, it helps you so much understand yourself better because a lot of these really hard and difficult feelings are happening in what we call the mammalian brain. And you cannot reason your way through feeling better. That's not it's not biologically how it works. Um, so there's, you have to use certain mechanisms, like, for example, like um, sensations, like um, touch, touch, taste, sound, um, things like that is what will actually can communicate with your limbic system. That's why things like, I don't know why, um, for example, we have, you know, like stress balls, like why do those even work? well it helps like ground you into the present so i would advise things like grounding techniques those can be searched up with on people's within their own time because i don't want to take up too much time here but grounding techniques meditation and further educating oneself by reading wonderful books would be you know the most that someone could expect themselves to do right now and then a really important piece of wisdom here 
Sometimes resilience is just getting out of bed in the morning. Sometimes that is the most we can expect ourselves to do, and that is okay. I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be highly successful individuals, which is a good thing um, that we have dreams and ambitions, but what's also important is just being a little bit nicer to ourselves because you know this is a marathon, not a sprint. So if today you can't do what you used to do a year ago, that is okay. So I would just ask everyone to be nice to themselves and to nurture their body and their mind. That's, that's some great insight. I mean, I'm not sure how I can uh, reply to that, but all I can say is that you should probably do what you said if you're dealing with that. And if you're dealing with any anxiety, even, you know, e- even the occasional, occasional stress day, I feel like everyone, everyone deals with it differently. Some people uh, actually maybe are diagnosed with depression and they take antidepressants and, you know, they probably have to visit the doctor, have some therapy, all of that. Uh, I'd say the average college student just has the occasional anxious day, the occasional stressful day. And it's in this virtual universe that we have explored throughout this whole year. Sometimes we just where we we just feel we feel let down we feel discouraged we feel disappointed or we feel you know all these all these feelings all these emotions and as krishna says sometimes we have to take it day by day we just have to take it day by day and uh you know us us young people sometimes we don't even look too much in the future uh but in this pandemic we kind of want it to end and we want to see when it's over but we got to take it day by day oh do what she said and uh you know we can you guys can always do your own research and continue to learn about it. Uh, obviously, in this podcast segment, we can't talk about everything that has to do with mental health, which this is just, a, I guess, a launching pad to the audience so that they can do their own research and they can not, you know, have knowledge of themselves and and uh, create that for themselves, create their own routines and all of that. Um, but if Gannon has nothing to say, I, I mean, that was a great episode. I mean, Gannon, you want to say something? No, other than I'm gonna do the exact same thing you just did and bump everything that Christian just said. Do what she says. If you're gonna, if if that's our call to action, do what she said. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, uh, I don't, I don't want to take up too much longer of your time. I know we've been going almost an hour, uh, but we thank you for being on the podcast. It, you know, you're a great guest, uh, and you brought a lot of scientific terms that I'm sure not a lot of us may have understood, but you made it as digestible as possible. Uh, so we thank you for it. And uh, I mean, with that being said, follow our Instagram. Yep, check out. Yeah. And check out our newest episode soon. Uh, I mean, obviously, this is our newest episode, but we'll be making more episodes and uh, we'll be updating it on our Instagram. And uh, with that being said, hope you have an amazing day.